welcome to another episode of Tales from the Trail. In this episode, I welcome Julie Shackford, the head women's coach at the College of William & Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. She brings a lifetime of experience in soccer and specifically the college game and provides some of her insights into recruiting. She's a true resource at the helm of a legendary women's program. We cover many areas including her recruiting strategy and building team culture. This is a fantastic episode. Enjoy! Uh, so you guys are headed off to uh, Richmond today, right? Um, for a big, the Jefferson Cup, a big regional tournament. Um, how many games are you guys, do you think you'll end up watching up there this weekend? Wow, that's a great question. Um, there's usually five or six time slots, and we usually do two per time slot times three people. Mm-hmm. You know, so, right. you know, probably 50 to 60 games, at least a half. Um, yeah, Jefferson cup is, is a really historic tournament here in Richmond. And it's a, it's a great one for the girls just because, you know, with the ECNL platform and the GA platform, there's so many separate tournaments and Jeff cup brings it all together. So you'll have teams from all levels, all platforms. Um, so it gives some of the, uh, small dogs a chance to compete with, you know, teams playing in, in the, you know, what perceived to be the higher level platforms. Right. So leading up to the Jeff Cup, so from a recruit standpoint, um, it's obviously you're going today, so this is a little late, but for the next uh, big event, how would a kid, a recruit position themselves with you um, through an email so that you are aware of them and you know possibly inclined to go see them play one of their matches? Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, we're, we're working primarily on 2025. So those are high school sophomores, our, wow. you know, our junior class is all but done. But, but typically, if a kid takes the time to write a professional email, and we know where they're going to be, and they include all the details, and, you know, we get a bit about their academic information that makes them kind of fit into, you know, what a William & Mary student athlete should look like, then we will take the time to go watch them. Um, so, you know, we, we take that part seriously and, and try to hit as many kids as we can who have written us for sure. Right. Um, so you're on 2025. Wow. Mm -hmm. So when, when do you start looking at recruits? So so I imagine their freshman year. Yeah. Yep. Typically we do. And, and normally we're not done as quickly, um, as this class kind of, kind of when it really was organic it wasn't planned to go early but sometimes that's just how it is mm-hmm. um but yes we'll we'll start tracking kids even in seventh and eighth grade um you know we'll make our id clinics open to them and just having been in the game for 40 years like you know knowing kids all over the country and kind of their levels and and so it's not unreasonable for us to to you know at least get those kids in our head in seventh and eighth grade and and then you know, start to track them their freshman year, but also knowing that, you know, development is, is not linear and that, you know, kids develop at all different ages and, and we'll continually look for players. And look, if we get a kid that's a junior, that, that is better than anybody we have or anybody we're bringing in, it's not like we're not going to potentially recruit them as well. Right. Right. So uh, from, from an engagement standpoint for a, a kid, 
So when do they start writing you and, and trying to get on your radar? Yeah, I, I would say most of them start in eighth or ninth grade now, um, getting on the radar. And I think, I think, I think it's a train in the women's game like that you can't really stop. Like, I, I don't know how between parents and clubs and coaches and colleges, it, it just feels like everything starts so early, you know? And so yeah. it, it's not unreasonable for kids to start emailing in eighth and ninth grade. Wow. Um, and so let's get back to Jeff Cup. So you, so there are, what does an email look like? One that is going to catch your attention. Um, how do they structure it? What information do they provide? What is a kind of a best case scenario email for you um, as you're getting them in? And when do they send it? it leading up to it. Yeah, because we have to like put you know, compile so many kids into schedules. Um, you know, we, we, we usually stop coordinating like a day and a half before we go. So, you know, we encourage kids to, to do it, you know, maybe 10, 10 days to a week out. Um, once they know their schedules and, and, a, and a good email to me is, is pretty simple and, and short and concise where maybe the subject line has a high school graduation year, club name, um, what the name of the tournament. And then in the body of the, the email, certainly something about where they're from, where they go to school, what their grades are like, the level they play at and, and their schedule from roster number to time to field, to field number. Right. Okay. And do they include any video on there? A lot of them do because a lot of them have, you know, Instat or Huddle or, you know, a lot of this uh, recruiting services have that. So, yes, we'll, we'll definitely take a peek, though. Um, you know, I, I've made one decision in 30 years on, on video alone. And so it's definitely a tool, but it's, it's not the be all and end all either. Tell me about that. Kid. Um, it's you it's know, it, it, yeah, it was when I was, I started the program at Carnegie Mellon back in the early nineties. And I, um, it was a kid from Iowa, I think. And the problem with video is you can't really exact the speed of play. Um, you know, it's hard to, it's, especially for a kid that's from a, a geographic area that, that I don't really recruit in. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's just really tough to benchmark, um, exactly you know what the level is right right so this kid must have been outstanding for you to on video outstanding, um but didn't really right. pan out so oh really yeah okay. so that's why I, I in general do not make decisions on video certainly it's a tool and you know right. can work in favor of me going to see them and prioritizing them but mm -hmm. for me it's yeah. not not the all yep um so yeah I, I need to reset a little bit here. I'm here this morning with Julie Shackford. Uh, everyone calls her Shacks. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone call you Julie. Um, <laughs> she is the head women's coach at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, she's a proud alum of that college as well and played there. Um, and if you want to learn more about her, your job as a recruit is to research uh, do some research on her to learn about her background and what brought her there. Um, pretty cool career. Uh, so um, what else can we get into here? So let's talk about you're at the, at the Jeff cup. 
and maybe there's a kid that wasn't on your radar necessarily. You're there watching another kid in a match and um, what is going to make someone who wasn't on your radar get on your radar by watching them, you know, obviously, you know, they score a banger, a really good tackle, something like that is going to do that. But maybe just from a, like we were talking about beforehand, um, an intangible um, kind of behavior that is going to make them, you know, get on your radar, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple of things, I think that, you know, a lot of youth players don't really understand that they're only on a ball for at best a minute during a game, you know, maybe the messies of the world are on it for a minute and a half. Um, And so I think what these, you know, young players do off the ball is really important to me, how they move, how they work in transition, how they get themselves in the good spots to make plays like that's a big one for me. And then I think, you know, one of the other things is, is, work rate slash grit slash passion for the game. Like, right. um, and, and, and that's a big one for me. And I think over the years that college, uh, is an environment where it's not always the most talented players who do well, but it's that combo of talent, work rate, consistency, and bringing energy to the table every day. Right. Right. Um, so maybe talk about, um, a time or two where, you've seen some things like an interaction with a referee or uh, a teammate or a coach um, that, you know, on one side got you interested and on the other side made you go, no, there's no way I could bring that into the culture of our team. Yeah. It's funny. I was at IMG last week or two weeks ago and it was a very young uh, top hat, I think they were playing like a Lone Star team and I think they were under 13s or 14s and there was a a young lady on the field with the worst attitude, belittling her teammates, putting her head down, you know, responding to mistakes poorly. Now for a kid like that, who's 13, like you're not going to not give that kid another chance, right? Because, you know, maybe it's the first time in that environment and she's stressed and anxious. Um, but certainly, you know, when we're looking at kids who are sophomores and juniors, the way they handle themselves and their teammates and their refs, are, it's really important. And I think kids who, you know, don't and, you know, who are consistently, you know, taking away from the performance of, of them or their teammates, like that definitely is a red flag, especially now when there's so many talented players, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had a few men's coaches on here and they've talked about, you know, some obscene language and gestures and that sort of thing. It's probably not as prevalent in the, in the women's game, I would would guess. Um, But I'm sure that some of them are, uh, have some behavior that isn't exactly uh, what you're looking for. Um, So what about um, parents? So what's their role in all of this? when they're communicating with you guys as a staff and, um, you know, really just like all encompassing, what, how do you see them fitting into this process? And, you know, what's, what's the most appealing way to behave and what's going to, you know, be some red flags. Right. 
I mean, well, first of all, in 30 years of college coaching and, and you know, I've done some youth and national team coaching, the, the role of the parent has changed drastically, right? So, you know, when I was growing up playing, you know, we were being coached by mainly volunteers and, you know, the, the, the whole money has changed the game, like in so many ways, right? So parents are investing thousands and thousands of dollars and not only expecting scholarships, but, you know, expecting you know, to, to kind of have a piece of how the, the process should work. So I think it would be naive to think that we don't have relationships with parents. Like we very much recruit families too. And that means that we want to know, you know, how they talk to their daughters and, you know, what their relationship with their daughter looks like. And um, I think it's, great if parents are involved in a way that's at a you know curious and you know seeking answers to how your program works and but not stepping the line where uh a student athlete or a prospective student athlete can't speak for herself and can't you know have a conversation with a coach um and not be interrupted by her parents or you know a parent trying to control the conversation or the process for that matter Right, right. Um, so what's a realistic, well, let me ask that a different way. Um, scholarships. Mm -hmm. So you guys, D1 Women's Program, um, what are the scholarship parameters? Um, and yeah, just talk about that for a second. Right. Um, you know, we, we, the max is 14 full scholarships. We have 14 okay. full scholarships, but equal to what Virginia state tuition is. So okay. meaning that we don't have 14 full out of state scholarships. Gotcha. Vastly yeah. different numbers, but you know, enough that, you know, we can, we can bring players in on scholarship and uh, there's very few that are on full scholarships. I think we might have two right now. And so most of the money is split and um, you know, fairly spread around the, the program with 30 girls. Right. And most people take advantage of, or some people, I guess, take advantage of um, other scholarships or ever, other aid or, you know, whatever, some combo of money, athletic money, as well as academic or need-based money. Is that the way you Yeah. I mean, it? a place like William & Mary, there is no merit money um, within the university just because, you know, we're a top 10 public institution and everyone coming is, is you know, pretty much ridiculous academically, as you know. Um, but, you know, there are private scholarships that people look into and anything from their Rotary Clubs to, you know, the Y. And then certainly uh, we have a need-based scholarship program, financial aid program where, you know, money can be packaged based on pure need. Right. Okay. Um, so let's get back to, you know, a player coming to you um, and how important it is to make, to choose a school that is a good, is the right fit for you instead of just looking to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so and other people I've talked to, they've talked about the transfer portal and mm -hmm. how it's being used now um, by kids and by coaches. Mm -hmm. um, and so, when you come to a place initially, you know, as a, as a freshman, um, the transfer portal, you may be the farthest thing away from your mind, but like, 
taking the steps to, you know, check the boxes of what you're looking for as you as you're making your selection initially. Um, you know, just talk about how important that is and finding the right culture in, you know, in the institution as well as mm -hmm. in, in the, in the athletic program that they're looking into. Um, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I, I wish that more, you know, prospective student athletes would, would think about, you know, if they weren't playing a sport, would this be the school that they would want to be at? And I think mm -hmm. that because everyone gets so wrapped up in this, the soccer and the level and the scholarship and this and that, that, you know, they're going to always take the time to think about that where, you know, 99% of college student athletes are playing for four years and that's it. And, yeah. you know, when you're done with it, nobody's going to care whether you played at, you know, CNU or UNC or, you know, but did you have a good experience and right. were you able to develop as a student athlete in person over your four years? So I think, finding a school that kind of checks those boxes should be first and foremost. Um, right. Second, I think using your academics to get you into the best possible school that you can play at. Um, and thirdly, thinking about what you want out of our program. Do you want to come into a program that's top 25 where you know you might not play um, mm -hmm. and work to get to the point where you're playing? Do you want to come into a program where you know you can impact right away? Um, you know, and William and Mary's full of athletes that could have gone to, you know, power five schools, but, you know, chose William and Mary because they know they could impact right away. Um, and, and I do think the culture piece is, is huge because, you know, how a team trends in terms of keeping their players in the program and are they going to the portal? Now, the one great thing at William and Mary is that, you know, our school is amazing. Right. And so, um, most kids are not going to leave William and Mary. Um, and, you know, we've kind of left open a spot for a grad student every year and, and over the last couple of years with COVID. Um, but for me, you know, the, the portal doesn't really intrigue me um, only because I think there's, you know, everyone's looking for the, the greener grass. Right. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, obviously some kids make really poor decisions and should have the opportunity to have that second chance. But for us, it mainly is used for, you know, kids who are finishing their undergrad who might benefit, you know, from coming to William & Mary and, and also helping our culture coming from yep. somewhere else. Yeah, bring more of a leadership experience kind of vibe to them. Um, yeah, so talk about your culture a little bit. So, you know, you've been there now. This is your Four and a half year. years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you obviously understand the history of, of the program. You were part of it. Um, and so you guys have a unique culture. And so maybe talk about that and, and the kind of recruit that you're trying to bring in and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. The one great thing about our program is uh, John Charles and then John Daly was with John Daly was with the program for 35 years. So uh, we have 350 alums and, and most of them are pretty invested in the program. And so when we took over, I think, um, you know, JD was, was towards the end of the career. And, and I think we really spent the majority of our first couple of years on building a culture and what that meant. And that meant like building a vision or, or a mission statement for 
who we are, what we are and where we want to go. It meant coming up with some core values that all of our kids could ascribe to on a daily. Um, it meant that when you walk into our locker room, every kid's locker has the name of every student athlete that wore their jersey. Um, so that, you know, when you're coming in and maybe having a bad day or got a C on an exam and you go in and you see like, you know, Jill Ellis wore my jersey for four years, like, that's pretty motivating. I'm going to get my head out of the sand and go compete. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and we have a whole playbook that, you know, for everything that's off the field and on the field. But I think the person that, that we attract has, has partly to do with William and Mary. They're very open-minded, high achieving kids, but you know, we really want, we want players who, who want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And, you know, we, right. we have a mantra this spring, sweep the shed and, and nobody's above doing anything, um, any part of our program. And whether that means, you know, talking to the custodian or, you know, helping us move equipment or whatever it is, we want a person who's pretty selfless and, you know, and open to uh, feedback and coaching and, and really wanting to push themselves to be a better person uh, by the time they leave here. I hope you found this podcast helpful and informative. Thank you to Julie Shackford for her time and insights. Please visit matchplayrecruit.com for more podcasts and information. Also, send me any questions you may have for me to ask of future guests. As always, please follow and share this podcast. Thank you for listening. See you on the trail.